the three years with Jesus went so fast. It was incredible how quickly that time went. In some ways, in other ways, it was so full of amazing things that happened that I suppose where they'd be written down, they would fill many books. The crowds themselves. Everywhere we went, there they were, people. People with needs coming to Jesus. Sometimes it was very overwhelming. Walking. I never walked so much in my life as I did those three years. And then, later on, God would send me out again in another direction, walking. But Jesus would do that. He would talk to people in one town, and I would think, okay, it'd be a really nice time to, to, to sit down and rest. And, and Jesus would say, we're going to the next town. And we would go. I mean everywhere, all across Israel. As far as I know, he never set foot outside of Israel, but boy, I think he went into every single little town or village that was in Israel. And he called and he spoke to them. The crowds, they were incredible. In fact, Jesus had high energy. I don't know how he did it. I mean, I could see sometimes how exhausted Jesus was, as he was exhausted. I mean, everywhere he went, people just came and wanted him to help him and talk to him. And it was, it was incredible. But, and he never turned anybody away. Never in three years did I see Jesus turn anybody away. He was always there, but I know he was exhausted. But I also know that sometimes Jesus got away by himself. In fact, that was important to him. It would be, should be. But you know, sometimes the people would be so, so just compassed around him, and Jesus would all of a sudden say, I, I've got to be alone. I've got to go pray. And he would do that. Sometimes he would go up on the mountainside and He'd be away. Sometimes he would leave in the evening and be away all night. We think, well, he's probably going to go sleep, but no. He would go and he would pray. Jesus praying. At first, that was really hard for me to understand. Why would he pray? I mean, he was a rabbi, so he had to know how to pray, you know, but why did he need to pray? That was kind of curious to us. I mean, we had a lot of important things to do, and I just, you know, I didn't always think a lot about slowing down and praying, and why would, why would Jesus pray? You know what? And he prayed a lot. And sometimes we heard him pray. Sometimes we were within earshot, and we heard what he said, and, and uh, it was always amazing, just like his teaching when he prayed. One time, one of the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? I remember that day. It was very special. I remember as we heard Jesus and he taught us to pray and, and it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't repetitive like some of the prayers that my people had over time. But I'll tell you what, he got to the bottom of things really fast. I'll tell you everything with Jesus was like that. He got to the bottom of things fast and he came to us and somebody asked him, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And he said very simply, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I know those are just words, but I'll tell you what, when he said them, 
boy, did they come over us. The depth of something that Jesus had and we didn't. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Kingdom? Now that we could we could relate to, thy kingdom. We thought he was going to be the king. That was kind of our idea for a long time. He's going to be the king. He's going to throw out the Romans. He's going to set them Pharisees straight. Boy, he's taking charge. Oh, we like that. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We wanted that on earth as it is in heaven, but it took a long time for us to even begin to understand what he meant by thy kingdom come. Yes, we want him to be the king, but no, we didn't understand what he meant. He said, give us this day our daily bread. We came to understand what that meant too. Trusting him, believing in him, believing that God was in charge, believing that God could help us. And boy, some of my friends really went through it. Someday I probably will too. In fact, Jesus told me that once. Peter, you're going to die because of me. That sure made me think. I saw some of my friends die. James particularly, the son of Zebedee. John's brother, he was the first one to die. One of the disciples Give us this day our daily bread. And then he said something that I would see played out in Jesus' life. At the end of his life, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, wow, at first that didn't seem anything to me, but I tell you what, when he did die, it was real to him. It was real to him. Uh, The prayer that Jesus taught us to to pray was amazing. I see prayer different than I did a long time ago. Well, I was wanting to tell you about the end of the three years. It did go so fast. Every day we were with Jesus. Every day was a new miracle. Every day was a new teaching. Every day was something. I mean, three solid years with Jesus. We I was with him almost every day. Not quite, but almost every day for three years. He actually sent us out, and sometimes we had to go back home and take care of things, but we were with Jesus almost completely for three years. That's a lot of time together. A lot of miracles. I mean, there's so many miracles that I've, I've described a few of them to you, but they're just incredible what he was able to do. His power over nature Uh, his ability to see things coming and the ability to look into people's heart and react and respond to was absolutely incredible. This amazing creator, this amazing son of God and what he was able to do was absolutely amazing. And, And so every day was different and every day he would teach us and he would somehow get a hold of us and he would say something, he would look in our eyes and man, with wisdom and discernment, he would teach us and tell us it was absolutely incredible but also as we came to the end of those three years we we could feel something was happening i mean it was more than just the circumstances it was it was deeper it was something spiritual and we knew that jesus kept talking about it and as crazy as it was we never figured it out or understood it i mean he he told us many times things that just totally blew us away and we never quite understood how it all came together. In fact, we didn't understand it until 
after the resurrection. That's when all these things seemed to come together, but he would say things to us that we just didn't understand. And, and why are you saying this, Jesus? And a lot of it was about the tensions. There was this tension that was building in everything Jesus did. Everywhere he went, there were people that opposed him. I couldn't understand that either, except the hatred that's inside the heart of man. And you know, if God doesn't change your heart, you'll have that on the inside. That's what we found out. That's what I have come to see and live out in, in everything that, that I've done since I met Jesus. But man, the tension, the anger, the hostility, the hatred that was there was growing. And, and for the life of me, I thought, what is wrong with these people? I mean, I didn't always agree with Jesus. In fact, I was spoke up. If nothing else, I told Jesus when I didn't agree with him. You know? But these people, they were so hostile. The high priest particularly, he was out to get Jesus. I mean, and it turned ugly and nasty. I mean, plotting to murder Jesus and find him and catch him and put him to death. I mean, they, I tell you what, it was terrible. And it was getting worse. We could see it. We could feel it. We could hear it. The tensions that came in. And, you know, as it came to the end, Jesus began to talk about it. Like, you know, he, he acknowledged the tensions. And he told us, you know, about the Pharisees and who they were, what they were trying to do. And I thought, well, I'm glad at least he knows it. You know, I mean, Jesus knows almost everything, it seemed like. But it seemed like he just kept walking into it. And this we could not understand. Why, if Jesus understands the heart of these people, why does he keep talking to them? Why does he say things to stir him up? Now that we didn't understand about Jesus. We knew he was smart enough to avoid the tension. In fact, he said at one point, I have to go to Jerusalem. Well, why, Jesus? Because it's time. Time for what? It's time. I'm going to be arrested. And he said the craziest things. He said, they're going to kill me. Jesus, I spoke up right away. Jesus, that's not going to happen. We're going to protect you. We're not going to let this happen to you, Jesus. But Jesus, two things. Number one, he said, I know what they're going to do to me. And number two, I'm going to let them. That was hard to understand. Why? If he knew it was going to happen, was he going to let him do it? I mean, this part of Jesus is really, really out there. To be so smart but to walk right into it and not avoid it. I mean, he could have easily stayed in Galilee. I urged him to. We did. His mother did. Don't go to Jerusalem, Jesus. And you know what he said? I have to go. I have to go. That I didn't understand. Why do you have to go? Instead of of going around the tension and all this hostility and the the threats, instead of going around it, you know what he did? He went right into it. Why? Why did he do that? I mean, it's like, uh, instead of going around it, he talked more and more about it and explained it. I have to do this. I have to do this. We didn't understand why he would need to do this, but he did. And he went and he constantly told us things that 
were confusing for sure. For example, there was this time he was near Jerusalem and we were walking into the city and he stopped right beside this tree. I think it was a, a fig tree. And he looked at the fig tree, perfectly healthy, and he cursed it. I don't mean curse words, but I mean he said, this tree will never bear fruit. Hey, we're all looking at it. It looks pretty good to us. Look like the other fig trees. And, you know, it, it, it looked like a perfectly good health. Now, I don't, I, I don't understand how he knew that. You know, he, he said he cursed the fig tree. You're going to be dead. And then he walked on, and we kind of, huh, wonder what that was about. And a few days later, we come back through there. It's like that reaction there's a tree how did he know that you know how did he know that boy he knows when we're dead spiritually you know he knows when we're dry and we're withered even down in the roots and maybe even uh, uh, nobody else knows but he knows I think he was thinking about all of Israel and how hard the hearts were of people and we stopped and looked at the fig tree, sure enough. I mean, from the roots up, it was dead. It couldn't have been more dead than it was. It was incredible how brown and it just looked terrible. Uh, the fig tree. It wasn't that he seemed like he was angry about it. In his voice, there wasn't this emotional, Chris, mm, oh, that fig tree. No. Almost sadness. You know, things like that didn't make any sense at the time, but boy, later on they did. In fact, Jesus did many things that out of a sad heart. We didn't understand why he was so sad. Part of it because of what he knew what happened to him, what he went through. And part of it was he just had this deep feeling of compassion for people that I think affected him as well. I, I think it's incredible that of all the times that there was a confrontation, I saw Jesus get angry maybe twice, once for sure, and another time, I'm, I'm not sure what was going on, but you know, one time we were in Jerusalem again at the end, very near the end, and we were going through the temple courts, and all of a sudden, this calm, gentle Jesus, boy, did he get upset. Woo! He started taking tables and throwing them over and opening the cages and he made a whip on the spot. And he's whipping that thing around. Boy, you better get out of the way. I've never seen Jesus do that before or since. But I tell you, I saw a side of, of Jesus. It made me think. It made me think, I'll tell you that. Oh, Talk about feelings and anger and all these emotions. Jesus had them. I mean, he was, in some ways, he was just like the rest of us. He was human completely. And, and he had emotions. He felt sad. He felt angry at times. Sometimes I thought he was just confused with, with what he did. But I tell you, it was constant for him and all the things that, that happened to them. He was angry sometimes, and he could confront you. I told you last time I was with you about how he confronted me, how amazing that was. 
I tell you what, when Jesus looks you in the eye and confronts you, it's something you'll never forget. And the truth is, on and on, Jesus has a way of confronting us about what's going on spiritually inside of us. You know, Jesus did not like the idea of playing temple. He just didn't play synagogue, you know? He didn't like it when people pretended. What do you believe and why? Your heart needs to change. He would say it real direct. He was direct. I mean, he was so direct with, uh, with us. It, it, it was really amazing how direct he could be. He was confrontational. It was penetrating. It was in, insightful. I told you about how he confronted me. Go on to that next slide, would you please, Nate? The confronting. I want you to think a little bit about the confronting and what Jesus did for me. I'll tell you what, do you know if you knew what Jesus called me one time? If you knew. Satan. <laughs> I said, what? Satan. <laughs> Satan? Do you know that Jesus called me Satan one time? Oh, my first reaction was not very positive. Let me tell you. What? I'm the one that declared you the son of God. He called me Satan. Well, he didn't say it quite like that. Honestly, two things. Number one is, he said, Satan, get behind me. I tell you what, the blood pressure was up. But when I look back and I'm honest, I have to tell you something else about that. Really, two things about that. Number one is, I didn't tell you the whole story. You see, in my heart, there was a lot of pride. A lot of, I know everything. And I also was trying to tell Jesus what he was going to do. I had the feeling when he called me Satan that Satan had been talking to him for a long time too. Because I got the impression that he was struggling with something. What was he struggling with? I only know a little bit about it and I know that Satan was trying to tell him that he wasn't supposed to go and die. And it was a temptation to him. You know, long ago, Satan tempted him for 40 days and then uh, the writer said, well, Satan left him for a season. But I tell you what, he came back. And when he came back, one of the times I know he came back was when it was getting close to the end. Jesus knew he had to go to Jerusalem. He knew he was going to die. And Satan was trying to tell Jesus, you don't need to die just like I said to him. Oh, Jesus knew he had to die. He knew it. I didn't understand it. Not for a long time did I understand it. Oh, when, when Jesus said, Satan, get behind me, I tell you, it hit me to the core, but, but now I understand. He was struggling. You know, he was fully human and he was fully divine. He was both. He struggled and he wrestled with those things. We sometimes think as a son of God, he must not have been struggling at all. I'll tell you something else where he confronted me. And many times I could give you many examples, but another time is this. You know what he said to me? One time he said, you're going to deny me. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus, I've been with you from the beginning. 
As you can see, I'm a little outspoken, but as you can see, I'm pretty, pretty strong and, you know, I want what's best for you and, man, I am loyal. I'm not going to leave you. Man, let me tell you something, Jesus. I don't know about all these other men here in this group. Well, I knew them, but, you know, I had such confidence. Oh, I wasn't going to leave Jesus. I wasn't going to, you know, uh, turn my back on him. And I don't know that I'd ever been afraid except on the water. I told you that last week a few times. That's about it for me not feeling like I had the situation under control. You know, so when Jesus is talking about uh, dying and they're going to get him and, you know, I spoke right up to him and I said, hey, don't worry about me, Jesus. You can count on me. Stand up for you. You know, have you ever thought, yes, I'll stand up for Jesus. Well, you know what happened to me. It's, it's pretty pathetic, pretty sad, pretty painful as I recall what happened in that time. Well, in fact, he didn't just say that, that uh, he would, I would deny him, but he said, actually, he said, I'm going to deny, you'll deny me three times. Three times? Yeah. I didn't believe him. I really didn't. I thought, well, he's wrong on that one. You know, you, Jesus, you, uh, uh, I know you think that. I know that you believe that, but that's not going to happen. You know, boy, did I really blow that. (laughs) Oh, did I really blow that because you know what happened. You know what happened. I'm sure you do. They arrested him. I was outside trying to see what was going to happen and what could I do, what should I do? And they came and they said, hey, don't you know Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? No, not me. Nah. I didn't remember what he had said at the time. And second time, wait a minute. Weren't you? Weren't you with him? You know? And then this servant girl comes and says, wait a minute. I know you were with him. You know what I said? No, it wasn't me. It's somebody else. Oh, I just melted like a coward. Oh. You know what happened? Jesus turned. I could see him. He turned. He looked at me. He looked at me. Oh. Oh. I don't know that I had ever felt worse in my life than that moment when Jesus caught my eye. Oh, it hurts so deeply. Go to that scripture, would you please, Nate? Third time I replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And then the rooster crowed three times, and the Lord turned and looked straight at me. And I went out. Let me tell you, I wept like I had never done before. I'm not used to crying. I wasn't then. (laughs) 
I don't know, man, if you've ever been so lost in yourself as I was that day. I was broken. I could have been dead when I knew what I did to Jesus and what who he was and what he did and why. I was broken. See, there were so many things inside of me that Jesus needed to break. And it was hard to see him before before this. Oh, but I was broken here. You know, this other thing that was going on for three years. Jesus put up with this for three years. It's this thing about James and John. The sons of Zebedee. They're my friends. They're my brothers. Fishermen. But, you know, all of us had this idea that he's going to have his kingdom and we're going to be number one. All of it. We were competitive, let me tell you. But, you know, one time, well, one time, James and John's mother even came and talked to Jesus and said something about, hey, how about if you make James and John your number one helpers? You know, well, I want to tell you something. I kind of felt like that was my spot anyway. But when I heard the mother say that, Let me tell you something. That really made me mad. And all of us disciples, we took that one up. We did. (laughs) Yeah, in our own way, you know. It happened several times. You know, and then finally, I think Jesus had had enough, and it was the last week of his life. It happened again. You know what Jesus said? He said something that resonated deeply within me later. He said, he who would be greatest among you will be the servant of all. It's a whole different way to look at who is in charge. The one who will be your leader, the one who will be the greatest, will be the one who is the best servant. Wow. Never forgot that. What was he saying? What was he meaning by that. But what about you? Does God confront you? Does God confront you about things in your life? What is it? What are the issues that God looks at in you and wants to change? Maybe it's honesty. Maybe it's being willing to stand up for him when your friends don't. Maybe it's letting go of the past. Maybe there's some things inside of you that you know that God speaks to. The truth is, God's Holy Spirit today does the same thing that Jesus did to me. God's Holy Spirit is trying to speak to every one of us in the same way or similar to how Jesus spoke to me. Don't resist the confrontation of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God when you feel guilty. When you wrestle with something that you know is not right, it's a gift from God. It's not something to to be afraid of and run from, but to say, God, I need you to speak to me. All those things I named, and man, I could name a hundred others. Oh, I wrestled with. And God had to take them away. You know, we saw the side of Jesus, the confrontation, and he was able to do that. 
In fact, it was because he did that that I changed. I would have never changed if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus looked into my eyes and challenged me about things in my life. Because he did. God helped me to change those. We saw a lot of Jesus in the last week. One of them was about a week before he went to the cross. We were on our way to Jerusalem and we stopped. Uh, we often stop when we went to Jerusalem. Uh, outside of Jerusalem over the Mount of Olives is a little town called Bethany. Jesus had three very special friends there. Two women, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and the brother Lazarus. Jesus was good friends with all of them, let me tell you. He would go out of his way to stop and see them, and they loved him, and he loved them. It it was something, well, we were on our way to, we were going to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had said, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I tried to talk him out of it, like I told you. So we're we're away from Jerusalem. We're, We're up north, and the messenger comes and says, Jesus... Martha and Mary is sending a message to ask you to come right away because Lazarus is sick. Come right away, please, because you can do something about a sickness. They had seen him heal hundreds of people, lames and, and, and blind and lepers. and I mean, he's just able to heal anybody. We can't understand it, never understood it. So the messenger came, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, would you please come? And I've never seen Jesus do this. He treated the request like it wasn't important. I'd never seen him do that. And I'd never seen him, especially knowing how close he was to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I tell you what, for for four days, us disciples were having thoughts Well, Jesus, why won't you do that? In fact, you could just say he'll be healed and he will. I mean, that's how much we believe in the power of Jesus at this point. But Jesus kind of acted like, uh, we'll get there. Four days. He could have got there in half a day if he would have tried. Five or six hours at most to get there. Four days. At the end of the first day, it's like we thought for sure, well, maybe he wants to travel in the evening when it's cooler. And So, no, he, he wanted to stay in the town we were at. Well, Jesus, you remember, did you forget about Lazarus? No, I haven't forgotten. So the next day and the next day, say, fourth day, we get to Bethany. We could hear it before we got there. I don't know if you've ever heard Jews wailing before. They pay people to wail. It's a little different than your culture. But when somebody dies, especially if they have many friends or they have the means, people come and wail. And it's, it's a way they deal with grief and death. And it's, it's amazing. Well, we're getting close to where they live and approaching the town and we hear this wailing and it's 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 heavy as you know so jesus goes right on in and he finds the two sisters one first one and then the second one and they pretty much said the same thing to him jesus if you would have been here lazarus would not have died they just that's how they felt you know i've come to believe it's always good to, to be honest with god about what you feel 
You can't trick him about your feelings. And if you're having a miserable, rotten, faithless day, the best thing to do is just tell God what you're feeling. You know? I have found that Jesus is quite capable of handling my emotions and my struggles. Well, so he said something to the sisters. And then Jesus did something that as far as I know, only two times in three years did I ever see him do. He cried. I mean, he wept. It wasn't like when I denied him later, but it was deep. He wept. Why is that important to me? I tell you, it's important to me because it told me something about who God is. I want to believe that God is strong and tough and, you know, how it is. Some men don't cry. Sometimes we do. Everybody's different. But I'll tell you what. If I can use the term, maybe a little strong, Jesus broke down. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he loved deeply. He did. And he wept. And we all saw it. We all heard it. We all felt it. Somebody said, oh, see how he loved them. That was one point, one place in three years that, oh, if you were there, you would have seen something about Jesus that you might not otherwise think about. Oh, see how he loved them. Well, then what happened next? You probably have heard the story. I think everybody has. Every time I talk about a miracle of Jesus, I say it's the most incredible miracle he did. No, you can't, but I tell you, this is the most incredible miracle he did. Four days. It's different if somebody's very sick and somehow Jesus comes and touches them and they start getting better. That just seems different. But four days. Do you? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Do you know how much the body stinks after four days? You do. I know. It's just it's part of nature. It's part of nature. Four days. Jesus said, take me to where he is. I thought, well, it's part of Jesus and his understanding of Mary and Martha and he wants to be near, he wants to console maybe he wants to grieve I, I don't know so they go to where the tomb is all the people are watching I have no idea what Jesus is about to do I tell you, I didn't see this one coming at all. No, not after four days. I did not see this coming at all. I thought he was going to somehow say words that were so deep and comforting that Mary and Martha would feel something. 
feel help, feel what they needed, but I tell you what. Three words. Three words. Lazarus, come forth. Those are the most powerful three words I ever heard Jesus say. Except what he said on the cross. I'll tell you, this story is real. You might think it's a book that's 2,000 years old, but I tell you, the story is real. And if it doesn't help you to believe in who Jesus is, you are dead spiritually. You have to choose to believe what the Bible says. You have to choose faith. God will not force you to believe. God will not force you to take a step of faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. But today I'm giving you this story. It is real. It is true. This story sets up the last week of Jesus' life. What happened? You can only imagine this family. I don't know that I can explain to you what happens when your brother who's been dead four years comes back. I, I don't know how to, how to look at that, how to explain that. But as I'm asking you today to, to think about Peter and think about his story, think about this. Think about the impact this had in the last week of Jesus' life. The crowds were stirred up. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? What is this Jesus? I could not think of anything else more powerful until Jesus' resurrection day. Lazarus, come forth. You you know the story. First of all, I could hear all the people. I was right there with Jesus. <gasps> what did he say? Oh, Jesus, come on. I know you're powerful. I, I know that you, I know that you walk on water, but Jesus, this family is deeply grieving. Don't, don't do this. Don't go there. That was my thought. I was not one of them that was saying, hey, all right, he's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. No. I didn't know what to think, but I sure didn't know what was going to happen. I can tell you that. I'll tell you, when he said, Lazarus, come forth, I was really on shaky ground who Jesus was. 
Boy, that challenged me. I, I'm sorry, Jesus. I, I can go so far with you. Of course, this was before I denied him. Again, I can go so far with you, Jesus, and I'm with you, but, you know, there's a limit. You know, when you limit your faith to what you can figure out, you shut God out. You have to choose to believe. Again, I'll say it again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For we must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith is a choice. I call on you today to believe. So, after a little bit of time, I don't know, it seemed like eternity. You know what happened? Lazarus came out. What can I say? He was dressed like a dead man, like we dress him, you know. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Said something like that, loose him and let him go. By then, people were saying, no, that's not Lazarus, but whatever, you know. So then they take the head covering off, <laughs> and Lazarus. Can you explain that? Can you believe that? Can you consider that? Incredible story. Two weeks from today, I am thinking, unless something changes or I feel differently that I'm going to describe the cross from Peter's perspective. What he saw, what he felt, what the cross meant to him. I challenge you to ask God to help you to believe. If faith is your struggle today, ask God to help you to he will. Would you stand, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Holy Scriptures that have such incredible things in it that we don't even know what to do with them sometimes. The story of Lazarus, so incredible. God, help us to hear what your Holy Spirit says to us. Just as Jesus confronted Peter, I know that your Holy Spirit will confront us too. I pray God today that there would be a sincere desire to look deeply into who Jesus is and respond to him by faith, I pray. In Jesus' name.